Let's talk about rookies heading into 2020, whether you're in redraft or dynasty. Uh, let's talk about the top guys, what we expect out of them in 2020 as rookies. Will they be good in the beginning of the year? Will they come through by the middle of the year? Who's going to finish the strongest? And then we'll we'll put a little dynasty spin on this topic. Let's go. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. It should be no surprise to anybody that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is my number one overall ranked running back uh, for rook- this rookie class heading into 2020. And, and, you know, everyone pretty much has him. There's some people have Jonathan Taylor at number one still. Um, not everybody, obviously, not a majority of people. Most everybody has Clyde Edwards Hilaire in redraft going in the top six to eight overall or top five to eight overall. And Jonathan Taylor in redraft is going around the third, the third to fourth round turn. But oftentimes in the fourth round, and sometimes in novice leagues, he's going in the fifth. These are your two top running backs in 2020, clear-cut top two running backs. And they're so far apart in redraft value. They're still far apart in dynasty value. You'll see people take Taylor at the tail end of the second round, definitely in the third uh, in dynasty. But Clyde is going in the top six to seven or five to seven in redraft so you can only imagine where he's going in a lot of dynasty startups. Now, we don't have a ton of dynasty startup ADP to look at since he land, or since the, uh, Damian Williams announced that he was going to opt out for 2020. A lot of dynasty drafts happen early, so the data isn't as strong. It's hard to know where people value Clyde Edwards Laird dynasty without a whole bunch of data to back it up. But we can certainly guess that it's above the the five to seven overall range, which is where he's going in redraft. So I would say, you know, more like three to four. Now, I've said this to people uh, lately. I've said it about five different times on five different shows or IG lives with people. And every time I get a crazy, like jaw dropping reaction, much like the reaction I got when I said that I draft Clyde as my first overall player in Dynasty Startups the moment he was drafted to KC. And people thought that was crazy. That's too high. Damien's there. What the hell is going to happen if Damien gets half to work? There's too many running backs. Clyde's too small. Um, I heard a lot of that right after the draft when I when I touted Clyde as my first overall rookie Dynasty pick in, uh, in a lot of leagues. You know, after Barkley, McCaffrey, um, Elliott, it's, it's really time to consider Clyde. In Dynasty, this is my mentality coming out of the draft, not after Damian opted out, and it was not well received. But even though he's climbed to five to eight, five to seven in redraft, and probably a spot or two higher in Dynasty, I still get a, a, a jaw-dropping reaction to what I'm about to say, and that's that I believe that a lot of people, maybe not, you know, 100% of people, I think the consensus pick next year at 1.1 will be Barkley. I think Barkley will have that good of a season. But I think just like Barkley on occasion goes at 1.1 this year, but the majority of the time McCaffrey goes 1.1, I think we'll see the same thing happen between Barkley going a majority of the time at 1.1 and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going rotationally at 1.1 by a lot of people. I think Clyde's going to look that good coming out of 2020 
that he's going to go inside the top one to two on the regular in 2020 redraft leagues and dynasty absolutely absolutely will he be in the rotation for the 1.1 you might see him as the 1.1 more often even 50 50 with barkley in dynasty 2021 fantasy football drafts in 2021 we're talking now jonathan taylor i think has an opportunity to be a top five to ten running back in this league i feel like he's safer to value at that end of the first round type running back value, even in Dynasty. Um, you know, I think in 2021, I could see him going at 9 to 12. I, I feel like Josh Jacobs' value right now is probably a good indication or a good, like, baseline as to where you're going to see Jonathan Taylor roll into 2021 with that kind of value. Jacobs is really highly thought of. People have no problem pretty much across the board making Josh Jacobs their number one drafted player at the, the tail end of the first round. He feels safe. People love the value. He can get you five to seven running back value at what you could argue is uh, the floor if he stays healthy is 12 overall. That's pretty awesome. You know, like Drake... Drake has top four running back appeal. I think I think Jacobs is more around top six. Drake has top four running back appeal, but Drake also has a floor potential of like outside the top 20 running backs. Jacobs, I don't think you could say that about. So risk versus reward between the two players if you are on the clock and you're staring Drake and Jacobs in the face. Uh, you got you to say, do I want a top four upside guy with a whole bunch more risk or do I want Jonathan Jacobs... Jonathan Jacobs, Josh Jacobs uh, at, you know, 12 or 12 floor, 12, 13 overall type floor, but six, maybe not four, but top six running back upside. That's what you got to ask yourself when on the clock. But I think Jonathan Taylor will have that kind of value that Josh Jacobs holds right now. Dynasty uh, is just tough. You know, it's tough to know where these guys are going to be valued. It's tough to know where you should take them in 2021 drafts this early, but I'm feeling really confident that both of these guys have a bright future inside one higher than the other, inside the top 10 running backs for the for the foreseeable future. I love Jonathan Taylor's value in that fourth round. I don't like taking him in the third round, but I will tell you this. I will take Jonathan Taylor in the third round when uh, I'm okay with Jonathan Taylor in third round value. If we're talking about like 3.9, 3.10, 3.11, where it's almost fourth round value anyway, but I'm especially okay with it. If you follow that pickup in the fourth round with a player that you could justifiably slot into the, the same third round pick you took JT in. So what I mean by that is, like, let's use A.J. Brown as, a, as an example. A.J. Brown can earn 3.10 value. He can't. You don't want to take him there if you don't have to. You want to take him at the fourth round range, fifth if you're playing in a bunch of, you know, with a bunch of novice. Um, but fourth round is about where you've got to draft A.J. Brown and you feel damn good about it. Third round value, I think A.J. Brown's going to be a top five to seven wide receiver. So 
I don't think that's a reach. I think it's more of like a missed opportunity if you're taking A.J. Brown in the third round when you could have got him in the fourth. Doesn't mean A.J. Brown is in an excellent 3.10. But if you can wait on A.J. Brown and get him in the fourth round or insert other player, insert a player that you feel that strongly about it, and let's make this theory make sense, not the player name. So many people get caught up on the names. They go, no, Smitty, I'm out on that strategy because I don't like A.J. Brown. It's like, bro, relax and use your use your logic here. Insert other player you like instead of A.J. Brown. Now, does it make sense, Bob? Um, Jonathan Taylor and A.J. Brown walking out of the third and fourth feels fantastic. Jonathan Taylor and then going risky in the fourth round on top of reaching a little bit for Taylor. That doesn't feel so good if you, you get what I'm saying there. So let's say you take uh, Elliott in round one. Let's say you take uh, Godwin in round two. And then you take Jonathan Taylor and then A.J. Brown. That's feeling really solid. I'm liking that. Or, you know, you can take Camara in round one, Eckler in round two, and then Jonathan Taylor and then A.J. Brown. Like, insert whatever strategy you like best or whatever player names you like best to make that make sense in your mind with the players that you would take. That's when I like Jonathan Taylor in the third round. Past that, Taylor makes a fantastic fourth round pick. Taylor can potentially win you a league at fourth round value, and he doesn't probably hurt you too bad because Taylor's probably, probably even in a disappointing season where he's sharing way more than we wanted him to, especially early on. I think he definitely grabs a hold of most of the job by week 8, week 9, week 10. But let's say he disappoints a little bit workload-wise in in weeks 1 through 4 or whatever. He's still probably going to earn you fourth round value back. So that's great. Cam Akers would be probably most people's number 3 running back. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't see myself drafting Cam Akers at all in 2020. Not that I wouldn't take him at a certain point to trade him. Not that I don't understand the logic there. Not that I don't get that at some point I got to draw a line in the sand. Business is business. And I know what the heck I'm working with if I've got Cam Akers at six, you know, seventh, eighth round value. Um, then I, I'm, I'm, I'm in business of, I'm in the business of trading high, buying low, and building a, a monster team using that that uh, type of strategy and and, and uh, game planning. So I draft Acres, but I don't think I'm drafting Acres where I'm seeing him go. If he falls, I'll draft him to trade him. But at his current ADP. We're talking about people taking him right around where Jonathan Taylor's going. I'd rather have a DK Metcalf. I'd rather have a Chark. I'd rather have a grip of players. A, a, a list of players is probably 10 to 15 deep over where Akers is going. So you might ask yourself, well, why don't you draft him near Jonathan Taylor or five picks after Taylor and then trade him? Because I'm not guaranteed to get the player that I'd rather have went on the clock there. I'd rather just take that player that I want on the clock right then and there because what if the DK owner won't trade me DK? What if the Chark owner won't trade me Chark? I legitimately 
would rather have Chark or DK over Akers without hesitation. I'm talking every single time I'm on the clock and I see and I'm faced with that kind of situation. I'd rather have Mostert over Akers 10 times out of 10 times. I'd rather have Melvin Gordon over Akers 10 times out of 10. Ingram, all those guys. I'd rather have J.K. Dobbins, who's next on my list, not Akers. Akers isn't in my top five running backs, and I've got a lot of reasons for that. He's a raw talent that a lot of people are, are ranking way too high, uses his head to run into players left and right, something that's going to be so hard for him to unlearn. And no people, I'm not talking about an occasional occasional lowers his head, hits people with his head and his shoulder pads. I'm talking about a learned behavior that if you watch the film, you understand that this guy's main move, his bread and butter move, not something you see on occasion, his signature almost every time he has a collision move is he lowers his head and rams his head, his helmet, into the defender, into the linebacker, into two or three guys colliding to tackle him, lowers his head and uses his neck and head to barrel through people, and he, he did it with success. He did. I can admit that. He was great in college, in a very bad situation. But if you watch the film and watch his mechanics, Watch how raw he is. Watch, his, watch him cross his feet constantly, which you can't do in the NFL, with faster, quicker players that are going to tackle you behind the line of scrimmage based on these things that are going to be hard for him to unlearn. It's not like we don't have a lot to go on in terms of the bad things. There's a lot. Watch his film. Everybody just looking at his stats saying he had a bad offense, bad offensive line, horrible quarterback play, and somehow managed to do really, really well, break off long runs. He looked great doing it, but you can't lower your head. Every time you run into an NFL linebacker, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get crushed. You're going to have concussions. You're going to have head injuries. You're going to have neck injuries. The guy's going to get hurt unless he unlearns something that's going to be really hard for him to unlearn. He's not in my top five. I know that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, and that's fine. That's why I'm here. I don't mind taking the lumps and getting attacked and, and, and facing all the negative comments and criticism. That's why I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here to tell you what I see. Am I always right? No. But it's my job to tell you what I see, and it's your, it's your decision to say, hey, how has that treated me thus far? Am I riding with Smitty or am I not? And will I always be right? No, I won't. And you guys have always been understanding of that. I am a bold fantasy football analyst. There's going to be things I miss. But you got to judge for yourself based on my track record whether you like the style or not. My style is, hey, I'm not going with the flow. I'm not taking acres because everyone else is. I see something different than what everybody else sees. I see a disaster waiting to happen. The same thing I saw in Eddie Lacy. And everybody called me absolutely insane. And it took a little while for Lacey to bust. So that was a painful year and a half, two years before it actually finally came to fruition. Leonard Fournette predicted his bust. Now, he might be relevant again in Tampa Bay. But bottom line is, I saw what happened in Jacksonville coming. And definitely wasn't a void for me. And, and my job to tell you all to avoid. Akers feels like a disaster. Akers is in a situation where that coaching staff doesn't even know how to use their talent properly. They're about to screw up the usage of Higby, who should be a breakout tight end, top five tight end in 2020, but they don't know how to use their talent. 
They don't know how to lean on the talent that they have around them. They don't realize that Henderson is actually better than Akers. Henderson's the number one running back in college football history in yards per attempt. Number one in college football history. Averaged over seven yards per carry in 2018 and 2017. There is no more statistical, uh, statistically amazing running back that we've seen come out, come out of college in a long time. Um, this guy was wasted away last year, and there's a good chance they waste away this guy's talent again. And we may never see Henderson rise. Smitty's going to be wrong on Henderson, and it sucks. Absolutely sucks because I feel like I should be right. Talent-wise, I should be right, but I'm wrong. Oopsie on me. Bad decision-making on my part to trust that Rams coaching staff, but that's all part of it. Our misses are tied to situation. Our misses are tied to injury risk. Our misses are tied to a lot of things, and it's my job to recognize all of them together and collectively make a decision on everything that I've brought in to the decision-making process and come up with uh, an answer for you. And I and I misjudged it. I thought that the Rams would figure it out. I thought the Rams would use their brain, you know, and not follow the pattern that was right in front of my face. That pattern was they misused Todd Gurley. They lied about Todd Gurley. They don't know what they're doing in so many ways in that Rams uh, attack and, and organization. I'm standing clear away from makers. My number three, no, no, no. My number three is a guy named J.K. Dobbins. And let me tell you why I love J.K. Dobbins. Not only for the future, but for 2020. Book me for your draft at heysmitty.com. A full hour of you and me on the phone drafting. You can even order just a 10 or 15 minute phone call at heysmitty.com. Heysmitty.com. I think, I think J.K. Dobbins is going to have an outstanding second half of the season, but I don't want anybody to think that that means he can't do really well for the first half of the season. Now, Ingram doesn't have to get hurt for JK to have a good year, maybe an excellent year. Yeah, but a good year. No, he can have a 900 rushing yard season, 807, six touchdowns, 200 receiving. I mean, he could have over a thousand total yards and like six to seven touchdowns, something that's very flex-worthy. He could have that with ease in that offense because there's vacated usage by Gus Edwards. Um, Ingram's not being asked, especially as he gets older, to do anything more than he's done, which is a little over 50% of the workload. That means there's still, I would say, easily 30 to 40% of the rushing workload in an offense that runs the ball really well. Uh that will in 2020, I think that J.K. is going to take that opportunity and run and have a really, really good rookie year. And I think that we walk into 2020 from a dynasty perspective. We walk into 2021, I'm sorry, 2021, and we see J.K. floating around the third, fourth round range. We see J.K., you know, where above where Monty is this year, above where Akers is this year. We're going to see J.K. have such a good year that he's looked at more like Jonathan Taylor's looked at this year as a rookie, like that kind of value, that kind of expectation. You know, people are like, okay, you know, this could be a top 10 running back right here. Um, you know, if Ingram goes down, then it'll be even more clear and everybody's going to draft this guy even higher. So a lot depends on Ingram. 
and I don't think we can assume Ingram's going to get hurt because he's older. You know, he's 31, whatever, 31, 32. Uh, he could get hurt, um, but, and he isn't, you know, not only is he not a spring chicken, he's not thought to be the most healthy running back. He's had injuries in his past, but you could say that he could play a full year at 50% workload, probably have a good, decent chance of staying healthy without being overworked. But J.K. is, no matter what, no matter what way you look at it, my third-ranked running back without question, without hesitation, without equivocation, this is the guy. And 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 I think that in a redraft, you can draft Ingram and J.K. pretty much back-to-back and have yourself a locked and loaded, pretty sneaky, good running back, too. And that plan of attack is pretty darn good for anybody that wants to build wide receivers, tight ends, you know, draft your running back one and then just wait on your running back two and fill it with this duo, you might be in really good shape and you might love your roster when you're able to grab, let's say, Barkley at two. Let's say you grab Mahomes because this gives you that opportunity to go early QB shopping because you know you got a bargain waiting for you. Your game, your game plan is to take advantage of a running back opportunity to then reach for your quarterback opportunity. I think that's what's key about drafting Mahomes or Lamar is having some kind of plan that that almost wipes and washes that risk because now you got this other upside that people are like, well, yeah, you know, he reached on a quarterback, but damn, he got a great value here. Now I wish I did that. That's what you do when you draft Mahomes and Lamar. So let's say you got Barkley, you got Mahomes in two, you got Mike Evans in three or Galladay. Let's say, let's use Galladay. So Barkley, Mahomes, Galladay in round three, um, A.J. Brown in round four, Mark Ingram in five, and J.K. in six. Very doable. I've seen a lot of people build that way. That's a great, that's a great way to build your running back, too. I mean, that team's, that team's sick. Barkley, Mahomes, Galladay, or Evans. You know, pick whichever one you like in this scenario. And, and J- Jonathan Taylor, if you want, or A.J. Brown, and then Ingram. And JK. So I think uh I think I'm gonna leave it at that. I was gonna go through all the positions, but but this got lengthy. Um that's that's where I draft the big dog. Zach Moss is another running back that I think is time to start considering a potential late fantasy football savior. Um maybe even early on by week three or four, this guy's in there. But Zach Moss has top fifteen running back appeal, and I don't know if you've got to spend we don't know what you got to spend to get Moss now because the buzz has been recent. The buzz on Moss and the doubt on Singletary has been kind of quick moving and, and recent as well. So you got to kind of feel that out, kind of use the ADP pre-rank list if you have a draft left to, to kind of navigate where to take Moss because you don't want to take him too late, but you don't want to take him too early. He's not going anywhere near the players we're talking about. He's more of like a, you know, a couple rounds later type of guy. Um, than, than where we're talking about Jonathan Taylor and, and, and Mostert and guys like that. Uh, but Moss is somebody to keep an eye on and target. Really, really liking Zach Moss right now. The more we get into you know the, the thick of it here in September. Um, let me know what you think on, on these guys. Follow me at smitty1.com. That will take you right to my YouTube show, or you could go to thefantasyfootballshow.com. Uh, follow me at sleeperu.com. Sleeper, the letter U. Like a university sleeper, you 
Bulldogs.com. Get your bold predictions and rankings there. Uh, but follow me on IG, Instagram, at the Fantasy Football Show, and YouTube.com slash the Fantasy Football Show, which again you can find at Smitty1.com. Just a real quick way to get there. And and leave a comment on any of those platforms and tell me, hey Smitty, I listened to your running back, rookie running back podcast. This is what I think. Or hey Smitty, I listened to your rookie running back podcast, and I have a question for you, and I will answer said question. All right, guys, I appreciate all of you. Subscribe to the pod. If you're just passing by, you know the content's legit. You've been listening this long. Get some. Let's go. Let's attack 2020, guys. Let's win this. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. 